A new study provides more proof that teachers are stressed out. But what is technology's role in creating or alleviating that stress? We discuss. Plus, how many engineers does it take to get a teenager interested in STEM? One of our guest writers has the answer in our weekly Lightning News Roundup. Welcome to the EdSearch Podcast for the week of May 18th to May 22nd. I'm Mary Jo Matta. And I'm Michael Winters. Let's get started. First up, our Lightning News Round. What do students really think about blended learning? Well, consider what freshman high schooler Kayela Kinto had to say about her math class this week on EdSearch. The freshman shared a story chronicling her struggles in her Algebra 1 and Geometry classes, explaining how using tools like Apex Learning caused her to conquer her algebra fears, improve her math scores, and most importantly, own her learning. But what about her classmates? Well, Kinto reports that at the average high school, typical growth of Lexile reading levels is about 35 points. But at her school, Cristo Ray, the average growth of Lexile increase this year has been 142 points, and the students may have reading tool Achieve 3000 to thank for that. Pearson lost one of its most consistent contracts this week. The Texas Education Agency awarded most of a new statewide testing contract to rival company Education Testing Services. Under the proposed contract, the agency will pay ETS $280 million to administer the majority of its statewide STAR tests over the next four years. Pearson will still receive about $60 million to administer some specialized versions of the test. Before this year, TEA had awarded Pearson every contract since it started state testing over 30 years ago. Just how many engineers does it take to inspire a teenager? Well, last month, 600 Cisco engineers mentored more than 500 middle and high school students as part of the first ever STEM mentoring week. Nick Hutchinson, executive director of the White House-backed STEM mentoring nonprofit US 2020, wrote this week on EdSearch about what he learned from that experience. For the best results from STEM mentorship, he writes, mentoring should be both experiential and sustained over weeks and months. You can read all of Nick's tips at edsearch.com. Community college students taking online courses are more likely to fail those courses, but also more likely to graduate on time, according to research. But how can both of these statements be true? The answer lies in the registrar's office, according to the Hetchinger Report's Jill Barche. She argues that a small minority of extremely motivated students are using online courses to move more quickly through their community college requirements and inflating graduation statistics as they go. Her conclusion? Online courses are helping the students who are already most likely to succeed, not the struggling students who need the most help. So here's a frequently heard question. Does blended learning work? <laughs> that, is, that is opening a, a giant can of worms, Mary Jo. That's a fair point, Michael. And in <laughs> fact, Ed Surge columnist, also named Michael, Michael Horn mm-hmm. of the Clayton Christensen Institute, wrote this week that that question is pretty tough to answer. What we should really be asking is how to go beyond that question, how to understand the situations and factors under which blended learning has a desired effect. Horn calls out a recent report from the Learning Accelerator that pulls together eight independent studies, each one demonstrating a situation where blended learning initiatives did indeed personalize learning for students. 
Now, Horn hopes that more research will come out and that eventually it'll move towards helping educators take the findings and make them more actionable in the classroom. And now it's time for ka-chings. San Francisco-based Zaption has raised $1.5 million in seed money from New Schools Venture Fund, Redcrest Enterprises, Telegraph Hill Capital, and others. The company also announced a $1 million grant from the Department of Education's Small Business Innovation Research Program. Zaption enables users to add text, images, and other annotations to videos, increasing their interactivity for students. Additionally, 10 startups shared $140,000 in prize money at the 6th annual Milk and Pen GSE Education Business Plan Competition, held last week in Philadelphia. New York City-based Kinvolved won the top $40,000 prize to help improve student attendance by bolstering family involvement. Now, at this time in the podcast, we're going to move into something a little bit more mm, stressful, if you want to put it like that. Because it is the end of the year, and we know that many of you educators are in the midst of testing season right now, and almost timed perfectly aligned to that, uh, a recent report actually came out from the American Federation for Teachers relating to, yes, teacher stress. Uh, Michael, why don't you tell us a little bit about exactly what that was? Yeah, so this is a, a very interesting study. It's got a lot of great information in it and a lot of uh, a lot of pretty graphs in the report as well, which is, which is always good. Yep. Um, so the survey talked to more than 30,000 teachers around the country, and it's got all sorts of interesting statistics about how enthusiastic teachers are about the profession and uh, who they feel like they are treated with respect by versus who they are not treated with respect by. But mm. in all of this information, there was one number that really jumped out at me and that we've been talking a little bit about around the office this which week. Which one was that? That's the this report says that 71% of teachers cite as a major source of stress in the workplace the adoption of new initiatives without proper training or professional development. Okay. And when I read that, I thought, wow, that's, that's ed tech. That's significant. That's, that's significant. That is uh, maybe not all of it, but certainly part of that 71% is, is the impact of technology. We hear all the time from teachers that technological initiatives are, are imposed upon them they don't feel like they're ready to use them. Or maybe they try to use something new and, and they don't feel like they get enough support from fellow teachers or, or from the company that makes the product. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to talk a, a little bit about, about technology in the classroom and how technology causes or alleviates stress when teachers use it. And luckily, we have a teacher right here with us, a former <laughs> teacher. Right Hello, here everyone. <laughs> it's Mary Jo, a former teacher. So give everyone just a quick background about where you taught, when you taught, what you taught, that kind of stuff. Sure. So started out my teaching career at a KIPP school. For uh, those of you who know KIPP, it's a, I think it is the biggest charter system in the country, the biggest CMO. Um, taught sixth grade science with KIPP for a number of years and then actually moved into a role at a Catholic school in Los Angeles. Um, and while at the Catholic system, I also was an administrator for a time, believe it or not. Okay. So while you were in the classroom, how do you think that tech affected your level of stress? So I'll share first my KIPP experience and then the Catholic school that I work for experience. So while I was at my KIPP school, 
there was very little real technology outside of, you know, pencils and um, projectors and things like that, to be perfectly honest. Uh, this was sort of before the one-to-one craze really started. Uh, we had a couple of computers in the back of the classroom, but for the most part, technology was pretty non-existent. I mean, I made PowerPoints for class. I would ask the kids to do research on the internet that when they got home. But one thing that stuck in my mind was at one point during my second year of teaching, all of the math teachers on campus got interactive whiteboards. Uh, really expensive pieces of technology. You walked in your first day of class and there it was up on the board. But there really wasn't any professional development that was done along with it. And I remember walking into the sixth grade math teacher on my team into her classroom around January and noticing that basically she was just using the interactive whiteboard as a whiteboard. There was no other capacity coming into it. She might as well have been using a regular whiteboard. So there was this experience, you know, this very expensive tech that didn't really seem to change anything. But so why did that, was that a stressful experience? Why was that stressful? Well, I think what was frustrating about it was when they introduced the interactive whiteboards, they promised the rest of us that we would also be getting it. You know, this was sort of a test to see, okay, Let's see how these go over, and then if they work well, then we'll spread them to the other science, social studies, and English classrooms. But there was literally very little to no PD done. And the, the reason I say little to no PD is that I believe that perhaps there was maybe one day of professional development that the company who, who sold the whiteboard did themselves. But beyond that, that was it. And from my perspective, would I have wanted to expel extra time and energy to change my lessons, map them to the uses of this piece of technology? Well, frankly, no, because from the minute I got in the classroom on September 1st, it was pedal to the metal. We need to start prepping the kids for the Texas standardized test that they're going to have to take in nine months. Not to mention that I'd been planning all summer focusing on not really using any technology, as had the math teachers done. And then they walked in and all of a sudden, there's an interactive whiteboard right in front of their eyes. Right. So so just to summarize a little bit, make sure I'm understanding it, it's stressful because you're planning for one thing and you walk in and something else happens. You have you were planning on not having a whiteboard and you walk in and you have a whiteboard. And at the same time, you you want to use the whiteboard maybe somewhere in the back of your mind, but you're too busy doing other stuff to, to really do it. That's is correct. That, is that accurate? That's correct. And I remember thinking to myself, why did the administrators not actually really talk to us or tell us that this was happening before it ended up happening. Right. There didn't seem to be any communication between their level and our level, which which caused me for a while to feel like it was the administrator's responsibility, that it was up to the administrators to put in the time and effort that was needed to introduce technology to the teachers, but also make sure that they were prepared to use it and engage in ongoing PD as the year goes through. Got it. Okay, so we'll, we'll come back to responsibility in, mm-hmm. in a couple of minutes. So um, that was your experience as a teacher at KIPP, and now you moved to a Catholic school in That's LA. That's right, yep. And what was, how did tech affect your stress level there? Well, it, it there were stressful points, but it was in a different capacity, okay. which was fascinating to see for me because, you know, I kind of figured, well, it'll, it'll go along the same lines. If tech is forced upon me, it's going to be a struggle. But... In that role, it was a little bit different because we were going through a one-to-one iPad initiative when I was at my Catholic system. Um, And when I was moved into an administrator role, I was sort of given some influence in that capacity. Um, 
And I remember that part of the reason that we got iPads was because we saw a Catholic school down the street doing the same thing, and we thought to ourselves, <laughs> we need to keep up with this. Um, I think I actually talked about this on a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago because it just it continues to boggle my mind that it, there was this rats race that we were trying to <laughs> you know continue to partake in. Right. But what was stressful about the iPad program was we had a group of administrators and teachers that were working on it together and we originally had funding to fund a one-to-one program across the board for K through 8 which is a lot of students I mean about 300 students so 300 iPads Uh, but some of that funding actually ended up falling through so we just did iPad carts in the first year and I felt guilty because we had made promises to our faculty that we didn't end end up being able to follow up on and it made me realize that in order to make the teachers aware that that was a possibility, it probably would have been better to engage all of them in that budgeting discussion and really look at the finances and think to ourselves, is this something that we can realistically do? Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, it kept certainly the um, adoption of a new of a new tech uh, initiative without training. That was a big initiative. And, and that and was an initiative the, that was just really about me. Right. That was, it was, it was a big, big issue for, for you. And then in, in the Catholic school setting, um, you know, t- taking away suddenly technology, promised technology was, was a source of stress for your teachers. It made me realize just how many components go into launching any sort of tech initiative. Yeah. And that's, I can understand now the difficulty that administrators face in trying to keep all their ducks in a row. Right. Because there's so many factors that could go awry at one point or another. Those are two very good examples of, of how technology majorly increased your stress. But there are only two of probably many if you talk to a lot of other <laughs> right, educators. Right. Yep. So is, is there, was there any point in your, your teaching or administrator career where tech really decreased your level of stress? <laughs> it's going to sound <laughs> so basic, but honestly, I think that the best example of tech lowering my stress was when Kip gave me a cell phone. Hmm. So anybody who's a Kip teacher out there, you know this. So any Kip teacher gets a cell phone that they're specifically allowed to use for calls with parents and students. And the idea is that you keep it on until I think eight o'clock, Monday through Friday. And if a child has concerns or a parent has questions, they can call you and vice versa, or you can text each other. Um, And actually thinking about it to myself now, I'm like, oh, actually I'm surprised it didn't make me more stressful. I have a cell phone that I should answer until eight o'clock at night. But what it (laughs) ended up doing was creating an creating an open line of communication between myself, my students, and the parents. Because that piece of technology was always available to us, if there was ever an issue, it got dealt with right away. And the other thing was a lot of my students understood cell phone technology. A lot of my parents understood cell phone technology. So there was really no learning curve for anyone in that situation. We all understood what the purpose of it was. And the school and KIPP National explained to us very clearly the purpose of this is for an open line of communication so that you guys can be on the same page about behavior, about homework, et cetera. Right. You know, what's, what's interesting about that example, too, is teachers, parents, students all understand how to use cell phones, but so do all levels of teachers. Correct. You can have not a lot of professional development that needs to get done there. Correct. And people might be surprised that that's the piece of technology that I say is making my life easier, but it's a piece of technology and it still shocks me that we don't talk about mobile technology more. I mean, Alex Hernandez brought it up on EdSearch.com last week about how cell phones are becoming so prevalent, especially smartphones. And at the end of the day, I think to myself, that legitimately made my job a lot easier. 
So you talked earlier about briefly about responsibility. So you've now been a teacher and an administrator, and now you work for an ed tech company. That's right. You deal with a lot of ed tech, yep. a lot of other ed tech companies. Correct. Um, so whose responsibility is it to make sure that teachers get that training? When I was a teacher, I felt like it was the administrator's responsibility. When I became an administrator, I felt like it was the responsibility of everybody on the team. It was parents, it was students, it was teachers, it was administrators, sort of all of us working together. But ever since working at EdSurge, and I think this is about as high as I can go in terms of bringing in other stakeholders, I honestly think that the schools slash districts and the companies have to work together to create and provide the best professional development possible for the teachers on the technology that they're using. And after having a conversation with some of the heads of STMAP this week who actually require that you purchase professional development with their tool. You can't purchase one or the other. You have to purchase them in a package. That makes sense to me. I would never want districts to feel like they're on their own with this. We can't be the only ones doing this. We need help. And it comes from the community, but I would also hope that it comes from the companies themselves. If you're creating a product, own that product and realize selling it is only part of the battle. Selling it and also helping with the implementation process is really what your ultimate responsibility is. And I'm going to quote Spider-Man for a second. With great power comes great responsibility. You have to use it. I think that's actually Uncle Ben, not Spider-Man. Okay, I'm quoting the movie yeah. Spider-Man, just to be clear. There we but go. Yes, that's right. Yes. All right, well, that is all we have time for today. Hey, if you are an entrepreneur out there listening and you're waiting for your index profile to be put up, or if you're waiting for your already put up index profile to be updated, we've now got something for you. We are way behind in our index updates, but we have rolled out a tilt project to help us catch up. We're asking companies to pitch in a hundred bucks each. If we hit our goal, we'll be able to hire staff to help us catch up on our index profiles. Check out the page for this podcast on edsurge.com for more details. You should also go to that page to see an absolutely ridiculous picture of Michael in shorts. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. Yes. Uh, thank you for taking that picture, Mary Jo. You are welcome. That was a great day. <laughs> and anyway, thanks to Jill Barshay, Nick Hutchinson, Kayla Kinto, and all of the other writers who contributed to EdSurge this week. And of course, thanks to all of you for listening and for reading EdSurge. If you like what you're hearing on this show, shoot us an email, tweet at us, do something, let us know you're listening. Feedback at edsurge.com or on Twitter at, at edsurge. Okay, that's it. I'm Michael Winters. And I'm Mary Jo Matta. We will see you all next week. This is the Ed Surge Podcast.